Welcome to the Casello Waste Systems Podcast, Beyond the Bin, where we're lifting the lid off the waste industry to dispel the myths surrounding trash and recycling. Through interviews with community members and industry leaders and experts, we'll dive into the details about what goes into recycling, composting, landfills, waste reduction, and much more. Let's curb those misconceptions and change the way we all think about waste. Hi, I'm Shabazz. And I'm Brianna. We're your hosts for Beyond the Bin, where we'll learn what really happens to your waste and recycling. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Chris Bales, a former environmental educator, and Mike Hodge, a former wildlife biologist, both now veterans in the organic waste and recycling industry. We'll be learning about the science of composting, the transformation of food, sewage, sludge, and other organic material into an array of valuable new products, and the business model for organic waste management. You'll hear industry terms throughout this podcast, and I'm going to hand it over to Shabazz to dive into those. Thanks, Brianna. So our first term is organics. In the waste and recycling industry, organic isn't defined the same as it is in your local grocery store. In this context, it means things like food scraps, leaf and yard debris, food manufacturing residuals, and sewage sludge. Our next term is anaerobic digestion. This is kind of like composting, but different and with renewable energy production. Mike and Chris will explain. Mike, Chris, thanks for joining us today. Mike, you've been with Casella for a while, and Chris, you've been with Casella, I think, even longer. Do you want to share? I'll, I'll let you all, you know, rock, paper, scissors, shoes for who goes first, and tell us a little bit about how you got into organics here at Casella and a little bit about your, your role. Yeah, I've learned a lot from Chris and others on our team. Obviously, lots of experience there. And when I started selling compost, I realized how naive I went and I studied environmental conservation at school. Uh, I felt like I was an environmentalist, right? And I joined this group of professionals. I was like, wow, so naive about really what goes on and all the opportunity for recycling organic materials. So now I've grown that knowledge base over the years, and it's it's really astounding what we accomplish every day. Yeah, and, and speaking of learning from Chris, I think, Chris, we were talking earlier, you started or you've had a career prior to the organics industry, sort of in the education and and sort of teaching field, right? I like to say, I think I'm still in the education business because I'm in the process of educating my customers or or possible future customers about the benefits of the organic materials that uh, we're able to repurpose and recycle under under the umbrella of recycling. We're taking something that's a byproduct of the society that we all make. We make choices of what we're going to buy. That product was made somewhere and that production source had a byproduct. And our game is to figure out, hey, could this be used? How do we do it? Who's the market? You want to dive into sort of, I guess, schooling us on what we do in the organic side of our business. And we can start with like what organics maybe what that scope is. I can help segue that from from Chris. So obviously have a dedicated, passionate crew on our team. Uh, They all come from different backgrounds. A lot of us are conservation oriented. And what we do is we manage society's byproducts that are organic. So that's food supply chain byproducts from food manufacturing. It's consumer products that have organic side streams and can be anything from seaweeds to wood waste and sewage sludge from sewage treatment plants. So our job and what we do is is managing those in the most sustainable manner, right? And so we do collection, um, transportation, and then further processing those into 
uh, products that we feel have value in the marketplace. So it, it really goes full circle. I mean, in the end, what we end up doing is we end up processing those usually through different like composting. So we run a compost facility. Uh, we manage some through anaerobic digestion, which helps us capture the energy value, say remaining out of food, then renewable power out of that. And in the end, we also have products that Chris and, and others on our team help sell back to different industry segments. So we take a, essentially take any of the industrial consumer byproducts that are organic in nature, process them, we turn them into something else, we capture the renewable energy, and then feed other industry sectors. And that's what a lot of what Chris does. We're in what I call the unseen, unsung recycling. And what I'm talking about is uh, byproducts from municipal treatment plants, uh, from treatment plants at paper mills. And these are put in place to make rivers and bays and streams cleaner. Our business is based on dealing with the byproducts of those cleaning up the discharges. And we look at what is this stuff and we analyze it and then we make use of it to farms. And one thing I'll just back to the, the traditional recycling, paper bottles, cans, plastic, all of that stuff is generally has to go to a remanufacturing facility. So there's transport to get it there, cost, and there's whatever process to repurpose it. In many cases, the organic material is very low tech. The simplest is we get it, we put it in a truck, and we take it to the farm. You know, <laughs> simple. In some cases, we have to size it, screen it, or make blends. But that is, you know, local, you know, short haul distance, small footprint in terms of, you know, everyone does all the math on carbon imprints and all impacts. So uh, we, we've got a great recycling story and making use of these things. And nature, biology is really doing the final piece of the recycling by converting many of these additions to soil to improve the soil, therefore plants will succeed more. 135 degrees is the temperature our Hawk Ridge compost facility must achieve with temperature thermal probes that feed data to the computer and demonstrate that we met that high temperature for a given period of time to kill harmful pathogens. That's also 55 degrees C. If you were to try to think of what this temperature is, you stuck your hand in a pile of hot compost, you're not gonna leave it there very long. You might touch it and you yank it right back out. So we aren't using any kind of petroleum fuels to make it hot. We're using the natural biology by making the right recipe, giving it a combination of food, air, and moisture so it heats itself up, usually within the first 24 hours of making the blend. And part of how we make the blend is using some prior compost, usually what's screened out of it, and reintroducing, called inoculant. Those of you who make sourdough bread know that you reintroduce some sourdough to get the mix going. So it's that same basic concept. And uh, so it's, it's a very natural process. There's such a diversity in the organics as far as, I mean, we touched on food, bio sludges and waste out of like paper mills and whatnot. And then there's this benefit that you talk about from the farms as being one outlet, right? Who are able to get sort of a high value, high quality compost or amendment to their soils. And then Mike, you also talked about sort of there's an energy component too. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned anaerobic digestion. Can you mention a little bit about our relationship there as yeah. well? So that's one of the technologies that we use for treating both food waste and sewage treatment sludge. So there's inherent energy value left in those, either in a sludge or in the food, and we run it through anaerobic digestion. And all that is it's an industrial-sized stomach, right, that we put through. We eat, we eat food to get energy. You put it through this. We capture the energy out of that. We can then run a generator, sell power back to the grid. It's really a renewable resource. And in the end, you still have 
the remaining solids left over as a soil amendment and or for an animal bedding. So again, we can put it through, extract another value out of these waste byproducts along the way, which is energy. And then in the end, we still have the, the soil health improvement at, at the very end or uh, fertilizer products. It's full circle. The other industry that Chris uh, touched upon that we really support is landscaping. So rebuilding a lot of the urban soils we have are so depleted of nutrients. This really pulls that back full circle and we sell that back, our compost, our blends. So we blend a lot of these products products together to make final, highly demandable products that we sell in the marketplace. Chris, you mentioned earlier sort of some parallels between recycling and organics and, and one parallel that you know we spoke about just earlier today was in the recycling industry when we talk about the material right after it goes through a materials recovery facility there's there are domestic markets but there's also international markets um, and that's just a matter of you know where those recycling sort of outfits are um, around the world but you were mentioning that with organics we're able to find really local sources or local outlets for for the product that that we're producing. What are some of the challenges that you see on the organic side if it's not necessarily this issue of domestic versus international markets? I'd say our biggest challenge in managing these materials is managing odor. Your wasted food that's been in your trash for a week, it smells, right? We collect it, we transport it, we aggregate it with everybody in the communities, right, and transport it, and we have to manage those odors. Sewage sludge has odor. So we need to collect, transport, and process, and all along those ways have mechanisms that we can combat that odor. And it's our largest challenge. It's inherent that all those materials will smell, but to somehow we need to figure out a way to do our job of servicing where it comes from and processing it and not smelling. Uh, and so there's containers that we use that are airtight containers to help during the transportation. Uh, there's negative air, there's different chemical combatants that you can use to, to address certain odors. Uh, but I'd say absolutely that's our number one challenge. One of the things that I work at in selling the compost products, and some of them are blends with peat moss or with bark, and uh, these are for nice landscape, high-end projects. I mean, we, we've got customers that are going to millionaires' homes up and down the coast of Maine. You unload a truck, and somebody might, what's that smell? If you unload a load of bark mulch, you're going to be able to notice that. That has a forestry smell. The compost has some heat to it because it, it's working and it's alive. And so the point is, hey, this is a choice. We, we're bringing uh, your, your landscapers choosing to use this to make your plants thrive. Mike and Chris, could you talk a little bit about how you know, organics kind of ties in some of our the different components of casella? Sure. None of us work, you know, in a vacuum independently. We need each other. Um, the recycling organics are oftentimes in packaging. So we want the organics. The recycling group wants the packaging, right, or the plastics that that are in. And so we need to work cooperatively to know where the, the organics go once they're extracted out. So in a depackaging type situation, we obviously work really closely with the landfill teams. Um, and then the solutions team, uh, going into industrial sites uh, where they may have organic waste streams, our team can come in and add some of the segment expertise, if you will, to say, here's a good solution for that. We can use it for animal feed, we can digest it, we can compost it, we can go directly to land. So our teams really work interactively to find solutions for our customers. You talked a little bit about some of the challenges and, and the opportunities in organics. What is you know maybe one takeaway or maybe two takeaways for for listeners that you want them to you know walk away with 
knowing and maybe uh, sort of a call to action, um, you know, in regards to organics, composting, or interacting with, with their waste more responsibly? Yeah, I think what, um, if there's anything I'd want people to take away from this, it's that there's passionate, experienced people like Chris, um, and there's a vast array of professionals on all levels, from engineers um, uh, to salespeople to facility managers that are really behind the scenes of this invisible industry of managing organics in the marketplace. People think it just goes away, whether it be the food you put at your curb or the sewage treatment plant sludge. It doesn't. There's the transportation aspect of it. There's managing odors. There's turning it into valuable products, whether that be renewable energy or compost, right? There are a lot of professionals working at this and doing a great job to the point that I think the success is that it is invisible. I'd like to jump in with a little twist on a very popular word these days, sustainable. That's sort of an environmental word. Everybody wants to be sustainable. And I applaud that. I mean, I'm a lifelong environmentalist, but I'm also more of a hands-on, how do we get the job done, get the trucks there type thing. And my interpretation of sustainability is I need to find customers who will buy our products, and that's my job to show them that it's worth it. Then I need to service them because I couldn't have been doing this all this time, but for a major factor, repeat orders. Year after year, people are buying these products because they succeed. And then there's the third part, and that's the people in the office. You know, it all sounds good, but we're not running a charity here and nobody's giving away diesel fuel. So we got to get paid for this. And that means there's a cost. I mean, some of these loads are over $1,000 to get them delivered. We have the cost to make it and we have to truck it there. So we need to have accounts that have a good cash flow. So we have a good cash flow. That's my definition of sustainable happiness is a positive cash flow. You know, um, the point is, hey, this is a choice we, we've bringing your, your landscaper is choosing to use this to make your plants thrive. That's the definition of any successful business. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mike and Chris, for, for joining us today. It's our pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. And thanks for tuning in to learn about composting in the waste industry and its role in turning waste material into nutrient-dense soil products. Be sure to tune in to our next episode where we'll be chatting with Liza Casella about the company's approach to achieving its customers' waste reduction and recycling goals. In the meantime, don't forget to follow this podcast, give us that five-star rating, and share your feedback and future topics you'd like to learn more about. Until then, we look forward to hearing from you.